0: And welcome back to another episode of and Down, the first episode of 2022. I am your host, Stephen Weed. Of course, always joining me is Walter Lukashensky in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Before I toss it to him, I do want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabease.com, the premier Delta A edible on the market. dot ecom for the premier edible on the market. Use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off your first order as well as shipping. And with that, Wally, the first episode of 2022 is here. How was your New Year's, bud?
1: New Year's was really fun. I got to watch Michigan get skull-fucked by Georgia, so I had a lot of enjoyment in that. And then the next day, I got to watch Ohio State win in a a fun game against Utah. And, I I mean, that was just – it was a weird ending to a year that was – I mean, gosh, for both, I guess, for the Raiders and Buckeyes, a little tumultuous, uh, a little high, a little low. And at least it ended on a high note. And then you flip that right along into the Raiders are still alive. And I'm sure we'll be getting to that. So football started off in a great front for me in 2022. This is the year that nothing can go wrong, Steven.
0: I'll just remember that when you're crying about this around this time next week uh, about your Raiders Losing to the Chargers, even though I don't want to give away too much. I think that they're gonna they're winning and getting back into the playoffs. But that's neither here nor there. I am, for the second time in about a six-and-a-half, seven-month span, and recovering from COVID, my lovely girlfriend dying right next to me as we speak. Uh, this is her third time having it. So um, that's one way to end end 2021 and begin 2022 is being forced to watch a ton of football. So I can't be too upset about it.
1: Well, yeah, and I'm glad it sounds like you guys are both on the mend here, a little bit on the up and up, and at least you have someone nice to look at next to you opposed to just staring at me 24-7 like you typically have.
0: Hey, calm down, Wally. She's taken, bud. (laughs) I love you. Honestly, not a lot of NFL news um, that are going on, people in and off the the COVID-19 reserve list. And, of course, I don't want to talk too much into this so we can save it for the NASCAR segment, but Mr. Antonio Brown, your boy, Back in the news for all the wrong reasons, as he typically is. With that, we'll jump right into the NASCAR segment, where we speed up the tempo a little bit, blow through these games with uh, that are pretty insignificant or lopsided, or it's week 17, we just don't really give a shit about them, let's be real. This is the cream of the crop of games we don't give a shit about. The New York Giants, speaking about getting skull-fucked, Wally, they got skull-fucked up at Chicago at Soldier Field. Chicago holds the Giants to negative 10 passing yards. Mike Lennon had 24 in the day. But he was sacked four times for thirty-four for thirty-four yards lost, bringing it to a grand total of negative ten. Chicago wins the game with only two hundred and forty-nine total yards on offense, four takeaways. But the silver lining is you're one game closer away from Matt Nagy.
1: Yes, silver lining for the Bears fans, and even more importantly, a beautiful new beginning for Justin Fields coming up in twenty twenty two. Trevor Lawrence is looking for something very similar. He and the Jaguars need this season to end immediately before he's any more broken than he already is. I mean, and then if you want to flip it to the New England side real quick, is there a team that beats up on lesser opponents better than the Patriots? It seems like every year they have one or two games where they beat a team by 40 or 50 points. and It's just out of nowhere, seemingly.
0: Jacksonville turned the ball over three times. Mac Jones threw three touchdowns. I hate that I was wrong about New England not giving up a touchdown. Because they did it in garbage time. I had Jacksonville as the lowest scoring team in week week uh, 17. That didn't really pan out. But, man, Jacksonville obviously goes further than Urban Meyer. And watch out for this defense in the playoffs for the Patriots. Tom Brady throws for 410 yards and three touchdowns in a comeback. A comeback victory against the New York Jets in MetLife. Whenever they're down 24 to 10 at one point, they come back. Tom Brady drives down the field. Gets A touchdown with a no name, yada yada. But Antonio Brown having a well, I don't know if it's a mental breakdown, a, te- a temper tantrum, whatever you want to list it. Rips his pads, his jerseys, basically every equipment from the waist up, throws it into the crowd, and then just walks off the field mid play. That's your boy, though. I don't want to take away too much. Uh, I don't want to steal too much thunder here.
1: Well, well no, you're dead on. I mean, that shifted the momentum in the entire game. And isn't it just a fitting final, I, I guess contribution to an NFL team that he's on in his NFL career that he is doing half-naked jumping jacks through the end zone and has to get Saquon Barkley's personal driver to come pick him up. Whew, Rough. But then the Falcons, they fucking suck. Hopefully they didn't squander Kyle Pitts like they have at least this year going forward. On a happier note, the Bills have 10 wins for the third straight season for the first time Since the early 90s, and you remember those Bills teams, went to the Super Bowl four straight times. Maybe we'll be looking at something similar here in the future.
0: The Bills won by 14, even even with Josh Allen throwing three interceptions in this day. Matt Ryan could even crack 200 yards passing on 13 completions and 23 attempts. This Sunday will be Matt Ryan's final game in Atlanta. He has to move on, or has to want to move on, and Atlanta's got to get him out. The Carolina Panthers get blanked in the second half, lose 18 and 10 to the Saints. Darnold with 132 passing yards, not a single receiver over 33 yards, and 178 total yards of offense on 10 drives. So quick math, that is 17.8 yards per drive Carolina produced on Sunday.
1: If you could get past the terrible quarterback play in this game, I mean, these two teams have pretty good defenses. I mean, one of them has an awesome defense, and that being in New Orleans. Carolinas, we really don't know how good they could have been because of how bad their offense was. But the, these defenses were so much fun to watch, and they lived up to their reputations here at least. Detroit went to Seattle, and if this ended up being Russell Wilson's last game there in front of his home fans, it was a hell of a swan song. The Seahawks overwhelmed Detroit on Sunday, contrary to what you and I picked
0: Yeah, 236 yards with four touchdowns, three of those going to DK Metcalf. And Rashad Penny had a hell of a day with 25 touches and 170 yards with two touchdowns. I think it is Russ Wilson's last game in Seattle. Why would you want to come back? He didn't want to come back after last offseason. I don't see why he'd want to come back this offseason. A strong second and a half out of the 49ers. Helped Trey Lance get a W. Uh, Lance 16-23 with 249 and a couple touchdowns. Even added 31 rushing yards to that. Eliza Mitchell with 130 yards and a touchdown on 27 touches. This San Francisco team is is hot. They're coming alive at the right time. And I said it once and I'll say it again. I do not want to play them as a Green Bay Packer
1: fan. Well, hey, all of a sudden you might not have to. If San Francisco does lose on Sunday... And New Orleans wins. You won't even have to worry about San Francisco in the playoffs. That seems banana lands even say out loud. But what an awesome division this was for intrigue this year. Between the AFC North and the NFC West. We certainly aren't getting cheated with our Week 18. But focusing on the 49ers team for a second. They're hoping that this is a summary of their whole season, right? Big expectations. Disappointing early with an exceptional second half. We'll see about the season, but that was at least the case this week. And then Denver going to the Chargers in L.A., where Vic Vangio probably saw, the I guess, the nail in the coffin. He's going to be somewhere else next year. He's going to be a defensive coordinator once again, and I'm excited to see where he goes. The guy's a top-five coordinator when he is out there. As for the Chargers, Steven, fuck the Chargers. All my homies hate the Chargers. Also, Justin Herbert, he, he did... Break a uh, Philip Rivers season touchdown record, so I guess that's cool. I guess, but it's fuck Chargers week.
0: Hey, as it should be. That's a divisional opponent. You know, they needed this bounce back game um, after a two game skid, and it's a little bit of a revenge game as the Broncos beat up them in Mile High here a few weeks ago. They have a shot to make the playoffs, and you know it's unfortunate that Vic Fangio is probably gone when Black Monday hits. Uh, you know, here next week. Like I said earlier, Matt Ryan should leave. Should Denver be his destination, Walter?
1: No, God, no. I, I, don't, I don't think that really makes sense.
0: Why not? He'll have a defense. He's got a wide receiving core. He's got a tight end. He's got a two-headed running monster. Better offensive line than he has now. Did Why the hell say, not?
1: Did you say Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan. Yeah, okay. I thought you said Matt Ryan. No, because Matt Ryan, if I'm Denver, I don't want him. That's where you go get a young quarterback. You have all these defensive pieces. You're going to be able to have a rookie quarterback, or at least contract. That's what you want. You don't want to bring in an aging vet like Matt Ryan, who's well past his prime, who's going to get well, who's going to get way too much money. So for me, I just think from a Denver side, hmm, that, hmm, that
0: sounds very familiar from a conversation we were all having a few years ago. About an old quarterback coming off surgery, maybe a little bit out of his prime. I don't know if he's going to have it. He's too expensive. Let's get a younger guy yeah, in here. Yeah, Peyton Manning and Matt guy.
1: Ryan are the exact same.
0: Ne- Post-next surgery Peyton uncertainty is the same quarterback as Matt Ryan.
1: Oh, my God. Get out of here. Those first three years after his neck surgery, he was better than old Peyton.
0: Way better team surrounding him.
1: True. Very true. I mean, I will say Marvin Harrison Sr. and Dallas Clark, Reggie Wayne. It's not exactly like the weapons were, like, terrible. I mean, but outside of that, Jeff Saturday no. was about all you had on the line, I guess.
0: Exactly. I'm just saying, I think that Matt Ryan would be a really good fit with Denver. They have the, those young, what, three receivers. You have Cortland Sutton. You have Tim Patrick. You can sometimes throw in their K.J. Hamler. You got Noah Fan as a tight end when he wants to be healthy. And I think, you know, depending, Javante Williams is a is three-down back guy. You can get rid of Melvin Gordon. I still feel the same.
1: Okay couple quick tom- or comments on that where, one, I think that he's an okay fit for what both are, but here's the thing. He would be like contingency plan like C. I think that you would see them rather draft a quarterback first that they would feel comfortable in if they don't believe they're in a position to do that. Then they're going to look at free agency. They're going to look at Aaron Rodgers. If Russell Wilson becomes available, they'll look there. I mean, they're going to have name after name before it gets down to Matt Ryan so I just don't really believe that it's possible.
0: The Eagles down 16 to seven and a half hold Washington football team to 89 total yards in the second half. Heineke throws an interception in the end zone with about 30 seconds or less left. They clinch a playoff berth with the Minnesota loss there on Sunday night. They now clinch a playoff spot. It's almost like the East Coast San Fran. Do you want to play the Eagles right now in that rushing attack averaging 160 yards per game?
1: No, not at all. And and like the 49ers, I really do believe this Eagles team is a quiet Super Bowl threat. I mean, they run the ball well. They have a really solid defense. And when division stadiums aren't trying to kill Jalen Hurts, he's even winning football games for that team right now. The Titans also continue to win, and they are doing so without their best player in Derrick Henry. Not sure if he'll be back next week or not, but regardless, not only did this slaughter come with the division title— They get the help from the Bengals, too, that they needed to now. If they win this upcoming week against the Texans, they will be the number one overall seed in the AFC. Very, very winnable game away from a bye.
0: Tennessee only has Tannehill thrown for 120 yards on 18 pass attempts. Between Deontay Freeman and Dontrell Hilliard, these two combined for 175 total yards, 132 going to Freeman. I know it's a little bit early, but I'm throwing my challenge flag on here. Mike Vrabel is coach of the year. He has used like 80 players. He's had 40 of those people like continually on COVID. He has no A.J. Brown. Julio Jones has been a joke. Derrick Henry has been out. And he has his team as the number one seed right now. Derrick Henry coming back potentially. Expected at practice today. This may be the scariest team in the AFC. And Mike Vrabel should seriously be in the coach of the year talks.
1: I, well, I'm not going to say much since it was your challenge flag, but I will agree. Mike Vrabel deserves all the praise. Between him being a Coach of the Year nom- nominee and I believe that Derrick Henry, even with his long absence, should be an MVP too. It's just, that's a team going in now getting really healthy at the right time could be a difficult out for anybody.
0: Pittsburgh sacked Baker Mayfield nine times in Big Ben's final game at Heinz Field or potentially TJ Watt with four of those and he is now a sack and a half away from setting the single season sack record with only 15 games being played there's no asterisks honestly you can probably bump that down as this being his 14th game because I feel like he goes out in the first half of a couple games this year very very impressive year He single handedly might get the Steelers into the playoffs but a lot of things a lot of dominoes have to fall for that to happen TJ Watt is going to break this sack record isn't he Wally
1: yeah, I, th- I think he will, and I do want to preface it with saying Cooper Cup had a really good statement this last week regarding records that he believes that there should almost be two record books, like a pre-17-game season record book and a post-17 game because while T.J. Watt, if he had been healthy all year, he would have broken this in a regular 16-game season like you said. I mean, realistically, he was healthy for 10 games this year. But there needs to be another record book for 17. And if he gets a fully healthy year, he might be able to throw up 24 or 25 sacks a year. I mean, who would have thought coming out or a few years ago that he'd be better than his brother? And I mean, TJ Watt, his peak right now is higher than the mountaintop peak that it was for JJ. But I do want to throw my challenge flag on this game real quick for a couple reasons. One, I want to get the negative out first and then go positive. Negative for the Browns, everything. Right? So, Baker looked like shit. All, honestly, since his shoulder injury, and there's no excuse if you're out there, you have to play. The offensive line, putrid job in this game. I know a lot of, a few of those sacks, I should say, were on Baker and the wide receivers. But, unexcused or inexcusable to have nine sacks in a game. Wide receivers, drops galore in this game. It, it, I, it had to have been six or seven drops. Every time it felt like he hit an open wide receiver, the ball hit the ground still. There's, It is indefensible what they've been able to... Or the fall-off they've had this year. And to blame it all on one person or another, I think is a little lazy. I want to see this team go get that wide receiver. And let's see in the first six weeks if something is salvageable here. As for the positive, I know I'm talking a lot for a NASCAR. And I'll shut up here in a second. But this was obviously Big Ben's last game at Heinz Field. My dad and I, I mean, we watched this game together. He's a Bengals fan. But growing up in this city and seeing the impact that he had, it was really cool. I understand personally off-the-field stuff. He might be public enemy number one in a lot of areas. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking strictly football-related. He's meant a ton to the city. He's the best quarterback in Pittsburgh history, better than Terry Bradshaw. He should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. And, I mean, it's going to be different watching football at Heinz Field without Big Ben.
0: Before we dive into the previous week recap, this segment is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, advertising, and more. Especially if you're our age, me and Wally, where college graduations, engagements, weddings, and baby pictures are happening basically every weekend, Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check it out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com and on her Instagram, Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. And with that, that will lead us right into our NFL games of Week 17, our recap. First one, Kansas City traveling to Cincinnati, where the Bengals closed as five-and-a-half-point underdogs, and that money line was a little bit juicy. If you did listen, one of my only really good picks that I had this week. We'll get to that. Joe Burrow with 446 yards and four touchdowns. Three of those touchdowns and 226 of those yards. We're from Mr. Jamar Chase. Second 200-plus receiving game this year. Breaks the rookie all-time record for single-game yardage. This dude's a fucking animal. These LSU products between Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, are ridiculous. And he's arguably maybe the second-best receiver. Depends how you, on your stance on T. Higgins just on that roster. This offense is loaded and they're ready to make a run. Uh, they kept up with this Kansas City team the whole time. Down at 14 in the first quarter where Kansas City put up 28 in that first half. Then all of a sudden that defense came to play. Mahomes put up two touchdowns with 259 yards. So if you listen to me correctly, Jamar Chase had more receiving yards than Patrick Mahomes had passing yards. No turnovers in this game, even though Pat Mahomes could have been picked off a couple times. And this loss moved Kansas City to the two-spot, catapulting the Titans in the first-round by right now.
1: Well, and that's the importance of starting fast in the season, too, and the Chiefs are finding it out this year. They will get penalized for it unless Houston pulls off a little bit of a miracle. But this is the first Bengals-AFC North title since 2015 where, you guys might remember, Vontez Berfic ensured that we got the weird A.B. doing jumping jacks in the end zone this last weekend with that hit to the head. Beyond that, the third, like going back to what you were saying about T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase is the number one. I think it's pretty clear, but T. Higgins is the number one in a lot of areas. And that just makes it so the third wide receiver in, in Cincinnati, who right now is Tyler Boyd, who's better than a third wide receiver to begin with, might be the best job in the NFL because you were so protected by these two wide receivers in front of you. And then you have Joe Burrow throwing you the ball. And the guy has almost a thousand yards in the last two weeks, eight touchdowns, and no interceptions. He's becoming one of the faces of the league right before our very eyes right now and the bengals i understand they probably should have lost this game. They had a few calls go their way, felt like a lot of little things did that typically won't happen, but that doesn't matter. You won a game, you won your division, and now you get the opportunity to have a home playoff game and a chance to win their first home playoff game and God, I want to say it's 1990 or 1991. It's been 30 years now.
0: 1990, you're right. And with, you know, you're talking about all the plays or all the penalties that were called that helped extend the possession really for Cincinnati to be able to close it out to end the game on the field goal from about 21 yards. There's a lot of talks coming out. Do you think that Kansas City defensively should have allowed the Bengals to score on that? Or were you okay with them making that goal line stand to push it for the field goal attempt?
1: I'm completely fine with them actually trying to make a stop there on defense because had that penalty not occurred at the very end of the game, at worst comes to worst, they still have 45 seconds for Patrick Mahomes. And it looked, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening right now saw the end of this game. It looked like it was a bang-bang play at the goal line where they might have actually got a stop, and all they need at that point would have been a field goal. So it's a weird dynamic. It's a weird play, a weird situation. It lucked out in Cincinnati's favor in this case. But I really don't blame Kansas City too much. I have one quick stat I wanted to share with you, though. I think you'll find it kind of funny. Miko Hardman had one catch for 53 yards in this game. He was actually Kansas City's leading receiver. I know that you said, what, uh, Patrick Mahomes completed 26 balls for 259 yards. Outside of Hardman... There wasn't a Chiefs receiver over 40 yards. That's how spread around the ball was. And that's a credit to the Bengals defense for taking away Travis Kelsey and taking away Tyreek Hill.
0: Well, Tyreek Hill, I feel like he's, he's been getting taken away in a lot of these games. And they're forcing – they're almost forcing Pat Mahomes to beat you with Travis Kelsey. Go across the middle like that. Make a mistake. You know, obviously he's, he's had a lot of interceptions this year. You can – let's knock a couple of those off aforementioned Tyree kill that that comes to mind a lot of balls bouncing off his hands going into the going to the hands of DBs on the other team so I it's interesting where's Tyree kill been and you take that away it's another subpar 200 200 yard game now and I will say you know put a little bit of my foot in my mouth when I was watching this Kansas City Bengals game I was like holy shit like they're on it right now some of the throws Pat Mahomes was making that no look there in the first quarter um, he, he had a couple nice balls but then the final score was 34 31 Cincinnati. That's 3 points that they scored in the second half. You want to talk about starting fast. That's what you do in Kansas City. If you go back even a few weeks when I was in my prime F Kansas City they're not doing it. This is what the, the yes they this is what they've been doing. Yes, they have. They put up 30 plus points. Awesome. They, they put up 3 in the second half and lost the game. Where did that momentum come from? If you go during that win streak a lot of those second halves early on were three points, seven points. You take away the Raiders' the Raiders second half, that's the only time they had double-digit points, it felt like. So I'm still on my stance a little bit. I'm one foot in, one foot out. I don't think Kansas City's it. I like a lot of the other teams in the AFC where I'm not, I'm not worried that Kansas City is just going to outscore them and outduel them. I think a lot of teams are going to be able to dumb Kansas City down to the game that that opponent wants to play. Kansas City's going to be in trouble.
1: Well, it looks like the blueprint this year for teams playing Kansas City has been try your best to take away at least one of Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, but credit to the Bengals. Not a lot of teams have been able to really do both. And part of the reason why the Chiefs only scored three points in that second half is because the Bengals controlled the ball. Every time they touched the ball, they were scoring, and they had long drives too. One thing that's being overlooked because of that last penalty in that game is that the Bengals had a six-minute and one-second drive to end this game. The Chiefs go down and tie it, and the Bengals then turn around, feels like they're letting this game slip away a little bit. What does Joe Burrow and that offense do? They respond with a six-minute drive, including a third-and-27, a third-and-27 conversion to Jamar Chase because they decide to play man-to-man, zero coverage, and I still can't wrap my head around it, but... Again, moral of the story is congratulations to this Bengals team. Outstanding win. And then as for the Chiefs, you got to play an extra game now, but they're hardly, I guess, this is hardly grounds to panic. And then our next game is, ironically, with one of the teams that we often kind of hear that comparable or comparisons to the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, not being Lamar and his Ravens, albeit Lamar not playing in this game, the Rams actually get a come-from-behind win, they're getting thoroughly outplayed in the first half. They win this game 20-19 to behind a short Odell Beckham Jr. touchdown pass to end it. A couple things to note here. This was a 10-0 game late in the first half before, regrettably, Tyler Huntley threw an interception. Led to a little bit of a momentum change, 10 75 And that ultimately was a score that you kind of feel like if it didn't occur, Ravens would have won this game. I know they still have technical playoff life, but with Lamar out, everything going on, it's time to wait until that Bermuda practice field grass turns green again in Baltimore.
0: Tyler Hunley is a perennial take the points and I will cover for you. He loses his third game by one point since he's been taking over as the on and off starter here, but probably for the better half of last month and a half. The Rams come back in the fourth quarter. Matt Stafford throwing two interceptions. One of those was a pick six in the first quarter to get him down in that 10-0 hole pretty quickly. He all, And he also had a fumble. Sonny Michelle kept him alive with 75 yards and a touchdown. Cooper Cup does what he does best, 95 and a touchdown on six touches. Don't look now. Matt Stafford is holding this team back. Right now, if you look over these last three games, what is how is this any different... Then Jared Goff with his broken thumb last year. This defense is doing a lot. The Rams are just not holding up their end of their bargain on the offensive side of the ball. And Matt Stafford, he's averaging 250 yards over the last three games. He has five touchdowns and five interceptions, two fumbles, and one loss over that last three-game stretch. This is not how you want your quarterback playing heading into the late January.
1: No, it's not how you want him to be playing, and honestly, this Rams team as a whole all-year doesn't it kind of feels like they're the chargers of the NFC to a certain extent where they have all this talent. It feels like they should be a Super Bowl team, not just a contender. They should be a team in the Super Bowl. Like, they're that rich in talent, and they leave a little bit to be desired. One week, it's the offense. Or more specifically, one week, maybe the receivers aren't doing enough. One week, for whatever reason, the defense isn't getting it done. It's weird. I'm a little surprised by it. At some point, you got to just stop assuming it's going to click at some point. Maybe not. And I don't know. I mean, I want to point out, too, for the Odell Beckham Jr. case, for him coming over, blah, blah, blah. He's played in seven games with L.A. He played in six with Cleveland. So notice there's a game off in these stats. But with Cleveland, he had 17 catches, 232 yards. I think we can all agree that's very disappointing. With the money and the expectations, so you would imagine because of all the publicity and stuff, Odell's had a much better I guess tenure with the Rams so far not so much twenty five catches, so that's eight more, two hundred and eighty seven yards it's so fifty five more yards and five touchdowns that's that is all the touchdowns came with the Rams, so that's one little what I guess silver lining
0: well look at when look at when half those touchdowns or two or three of those touchdowns were scored. they're during the blowout portions of a game against Jacksonville. There's another game where they're blowing someone out, and he scored then. There's only really two meaningful touchdowns that matter, which don't take it away. Six points is six points. I'm sure he's liking it because he has some sort of incentive-based contract that he has with the Rams, so I'm sure he's digging it. But I still think we should pump the brakes. Odell, I think he can get back to where he he once was. I don't think this season is going to be that timetable.
1: No, I, I mean, he might, and I made the case for players coming in midseason. It's really hard to adjust, and it's no different for him. So I, I guess I have to make that, I guess, point too. It's just more or less my statement is that he has continued to underwhelm outside of these occasional glimpses with the touchdown, and then we see him on NFL Network with his touchdown celebration, so we assume he's doing well. That's my point, but yeah, Ravens suck.
0: I agree. I mean, they're they're basically out. They need um, a laundry list of things to happen. I think that they need to win. They need the Colts to they need the Colts to lose, and then they, they need your Chargers and Raiders to tie or something ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure as much on the Ravens one because the Steelers. You need no tie in the Raiders-Charger game. You need to beat the Ravens, and then you need the Colts to lose to the Jaguars, and that's not going to happen.
0: And I don't want to get too too much in depth with this. We can spend another hour kind of breaking this down. You guys can go watch that somewhere else. We're going we're gonna to help you with the gambling to get you to the next week. For our next game here, we have the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Jerry World where Kyler Murray stays undefeated there as an amateur, semi-amateur, slash professional, and then a complete professional athlete. 9-0 and lifetime here. 5-0 and in high school. What was it? 2-0 in college. 1-0 in the pros. 2-0 in the pros now. Regardless, for 263 yards and two touchdowns and even added 44 rushing yards. Dak was looking good. He added two and 26-3 touchdowns, but Zeke was only given nine touches, only took it 16 yards. The Cowboys are staying cold. They just lost the number two seed in the playoffs. They fall all the way to the four, and the the Cards needed this win. They can still make a push for the NFC West crown. The Cowboys are just proving that they can't beat anyone handily outside of the NFC East. Dak Dak and company are pretty much slightly above average, right there to that average mark, with teams above 500 records. So good job. You're the Bills of the NFC. But right now, even though the Cardinals win, which they needed it badly, who do you trust more in that NFC West division? The inconsistent Matt Stafford-led Rams, or the I-don't-know-which-team-I'm-gonna-get-this-Sunday Arizona Cardinals?
1: If both teams were healthy, I would prefer to have Arizona. Right now, I'd rather have the Rams. But to talking about what you were saying here about Dallas and this Arizona team and being overrated, blah, 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 they might have a chance to, I guess, get revenge and prove you and other people wrong. Because unless something weird happens, if chalk happens, they will match up again in the wild card weekend in Dallas, once again in Jerry's world. And now that the Cardinals, they've been what, six of seven times now in Dallas, that starts to weigh on a team's psyche. Especially when you—it's been a recent loss like this too. I think the Cowboys are already in their own head with the playoffs. To add another variable too, I don't like it. It makes me a little nervous if this matchup does occur again. Well, when we
0: talked earlier in the season, who would have thought that we would have said that that Cowboys' offense would be holding this team back? All the question marks were surrounding the defense, and Dan Quinn has got his boys playing there they have studs in every single level they have they have pass rushers between randy gregory and demarcus lawrence you can even add micah parsons dude's got 13 sacks as a rookie 84 tackles he's almost sniffing 100 tackles and he's rushing the passer for the better half of the last season and then of course you have Trivion Diggs over there with eleven interceptions. Hell, he might have just he might have twelve now as we as we're recording this. Dudes picking everything off left and right. So they have all the pieces to make that Super Bowl run, but they're missing it on the offensive side of the ball. Their running game simply cannot get started. You're not giving your stars the touches. You got Michael Gallup, who's out with an ACL injury now. You have Amari Cooper who just always seems like he's producing yet not producing at the same time and then cd lamb is a stud if amari's having a bad game double cd basically it's all over if you don't want to throw to dalton schultz so dak prescott and kellen Moore have to get something figured out and especially kellen because if you're going to be a head coaching candidate people are going to be watching your games a little bit closely and if you can't get it done in the playoffs what's going to make you that much better over the next candidate
1: well and we've seen too he's been a high candidate in the past they're falling off a little bit. They expected this to be a leap for them. And because it hasn't happened, especially with how deep the coordinator pools are going to be this year, I definitely think that he's going to want to see a little bit more of an improvement down the stretch here. But let's go into my game here, if you don't mind. The Raiders win at the buzzer behind Derek Carr for the third time in six games. Before we get into the details... You know, actually, no. Steven... How about you give us some of the details here, and then we'll come back, and I'm going to ramble for a hot second. I'll be done with this for a minute.
0: Hey, that's why we put them in here. So Carson Wentz ended up starting this game. I know that he's unvaccinated, test positive for the COVID. They have the new CDC rules and guidelines in the NFL where it's five days, and you have to wear a, a mat. I, honestly, I can't fucking keep up anymore. Anyway, he somehow gets cleared being unvaccinated. Within that five-day window, Carson Wentz starts. 16-27 to 27 for 148 and one touchdown, but... Jonathan Taylor, 20 touches, buck 08 with one touchdown, but Wentz looked horrible, and it looked like he was a quarterback that had not practiced with his team all week. He was missing throws just barely. He had a wide-open T.Y. Hilton here early that he wasn't able to capitalize on, and it was a little too little too late for him to start getting his groove in this game. Now, Derek Carr, 255 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, four or five for 51 yards, to set up the game-winning field goal here as time expired. Now, the Colts didn't really look good. They looked sluggish with those players that came back into the starting lineup. They're just fine. But as an outsider looking in, this is awesome to see what the Raiders are, how they have continually been able to overcome the adversity. Talk about a laundry list like I was talking about earlier of how the Ravens can get into the playoffs, a laundry list of all the drama that's been happening here in Las Vegas. You have to give the respect. They have a winning Season. It's their first time, you know, I'm not even going to ruin that. That's their first time in a while that they have been able to say that. I'll let Wally kind of dive into that. But now they have a chance to make it into the playoffs by winning Sunday night in the Death Star on the Vegas Strip against your hated L.A. Chargers. Wally, hope I queued you up well enough.
1: You absolutely did. And before I go on my rant, I'll just say snaps to Jonathan Taylor because he passed Edron James for the most rushing yards in the season. In Colts history. We all grew up on edge. We know what Edron and James could do. So this is a really cool, I guess, record to have. And I actually think the third place guy's Eric Dickerson. So the pass those two guys is really remarkable for a record. But you did cue me up well. This is guaranteed now to be the Raiders' second winning season since 2002. 20 years. And we've seen two winning seasons since that Super Bowl loss to the Buccaneers, and wow, this season is such a roller coaster. I can't keep up with it. The lows have been so low, but that's really made me just so proud of this team that when they have been able to overcome the adversity, and I mean, guys like myself, I quit on this team three weeks ago. I was ready for draft picks. I didn't think there was a snowball chance in hell they'd win four straight games then this year, and they've done three of the four. Going into this little matchup with the Chargers, we'll get into that when we get to gambling. But I'm just overwhelmed, genuinely overwhelmed. I do want to give a shout out because the Green Light with Chris Long show, him and Steve, I think it's Wifelong, the guy that does SVP Scott Van Pelt Sports Center or whatever. To me, they're the first non-Raiders outlet that I've seen properly give respect to the Raiders and more specifically Derek Carr for what they've accomplished this season. The sidestep Darius Leonard. And hit Hunter Renfro on the run like he did in a clutch situation like that. I mean, he has more come from behind final drives to either tie or win games in the NFL since he come into league than any other quarterback. And I understand that he has to play from behind a bit to get there. But he's doing it. And I know you said, I'm not, I'm not picking on you because a lot of people are saying it too. The Colts did look really bad. They did look a little rusty. But at the same point, you got to give a ton of credit to this Raiders defense. They've been doing this for the last, honestly, all year. But this last month, four of the last five games, all of these games are tight, and they've not allowed more than 20 points and four of the five games. Only one they've allowed more was the Kansas City Chiefs disaster, which will go nameless here from here on out. I'm just, I literally don't know what to say. This is a madman rambling right now that you can tell. I've got the jitters for a chance at Realistically, the first playoff game that I'll actually be excited for since 2002 has me overwhelmed.
0: And potentially a Raiders 10-win season. That's probably only happened like two or three times in your lifetime.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to include those years with the Jerry Rice-Tim Brown at the beginning, it's probably more. But it's literally been two now since 2002. If it happens, and one of them, Derek Carr's leg exploded on Christmas Eve so we didn't even have a quarterback going into the playoff game.
0: What a come up. I'm rooting I'm root for you guys. You know, as much as I picked the Chargers, how high I was on them, Justin Herbert being my Dark Horse MVP candidate, you just got to love teams that are fighting adversity like this. And Chargers next year, it's all you guys. But right now, I'm full Raiders mode, baby.
1: Oh, yeah, man. I, I'm, I'm done talking about it. I've been spewing a lot. But go Raiders. Win or lose, I am really proud of this team, and I hope that the media in the country as a whole can give the Raiders a little bit of slack this year because, I mean, my God, you've said it, but what they've had to overcome is kind of remarkable. And you know what? You let me ramble for a little bit. I'm going to let you have the same opportunity now. Green Bay seals the number one overall seed in the NFC by beating Minnesota at home. What a homestand for you guys last two games, getting these wins against not only the Browns put you in this position, and then the Vikings to actually secure it. Awesome in front of your home field. You know that Rodgers won't play next week, but that's neither here nor there. Just take it away.
0: Vikings are done. They're done with the season. Unfortunately, uh, head coach Mike Zimmer is most likely on his way out. He had had a a good career here with Minnesota as their head coach. Personally, I like seeing him leave the division. He's given Green Bay nothing but problems. He's Been the most competitive team that Green Bay's had to face in the NFC North. So, me personally, I'm glad to see him leave. And let's be honest, he's going to get a call real quick if that's for another head coaching gig. Quicker for another defensive coordinating position. So, I'm not worried about that. Um, Green Bay lucked out with this. Kirk Cousins on the COVID-19 reserve list. uh, Tested positive. And so, they had Sean Mannion only make his third career start in the NFL um, all in Week 17, oddly enough, but this one actually meant something because of the additional game. Minnesota would have already been knocked out here last week. But Aaron Rodgers, 288, two touchdowns. The offensive weapons went off. Devontae with 11, 136, and a touchdown. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combining for 29 touches, 199 yards, so a tad bit under that 200, with two touchdowns, both going to A.J. Dillon. Aaron Rodgers has now recorded the 12th game this season of multiple touchdowns with zero interceptions. That breaks a record with himself when he won the MVP in 2020 and 2014, as well as Tom Brady's 2010 MVP winning season. So is that a little foreshadowing of Aaron winning the MVP? I'm not sure, but Green Bay was looking good. I know that Sean Mannion was playing at quarterback, but what the offense was able to do against a team that shellacked them here, and that was their last loss, I was very pleased that the special teams looked a little bit more competent than he usually does. I still think that that is going to be the the Achilles heel the Packers not winning the Super Bowl is going to come down to a special teams mistake somewhere in the NFC Championship game or in the Super Bowl itself. Aaron Rodgers is playing at an MVP level. I love Aaron. Obviously, as Packer Steve wants to vote for Aaron as MVP, I still think it's Jonathan Taylor's award to lose. But it's they're going to give it to a quarterback no matter what. Jonathan Taylor does. If he, unless he has 500 yards in this next game, I see it going to Aaron Rodgers. Going to back-to-back, queue up the Drake. Aaron Rodgers is an animal. NFC goes through Lambeau. I know we said that last year, but this year feels a little bit different with Bakhtiari, Jari Alexander, and Darius Smith all expected back to make a playoff run.
1: Dude, to get those guys back and healthy and have all that kind of fresh bodies at high-level positions is huge. And You know, doesn't it kind of feel, I want to ask you as a Packer fan, outside of that Super Bowl team, because that team was disgusting, this kind of feels like it might be the most complete Packers team in Aaron Rodgers' career outside of his special teams. Do you think that's fair or or would you say it's a little too high?
0: I think it's getting back like offensively. Obviously Aaron's matured way more than he you know than he was eleven years ago when he made that. I think the offensive weaponry was a lot better in the arsenal he had between Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, Donald Driver. But you have Devontae Adams, no one can stop. Alan Lazard is starting to come into his own. If we can consistently get Marquez Valdez scaling opening for that deep threat, and Randall Cobb, that's a name I forgot to throw back in there, is expected to make a push to get back in the playoffs. Aaron Jones hasn't been utilized a lot, which is great, because he helps a lot in the passing game, and I love when A.J. Dillon and Aaron are both in the game. Flip out Aaron Jones out wide or maybe throw him in the slot, and you have A.J. Dillon to pass protect, as well as he's just your he's your guy between the tackles. Aaron Jones can go outside of it. For the passing game, I give the nod to the 2010, but the running game, I give the nod to this team. But this feels, and I feel like I say this every year, that Green Bay is making it to the NFC Championship game. that. This team feels like the most it did in 2010. You have a lot of young, unproven guys on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of injuries that are happening. You're missing your best left tackle, your best cornerback, your best pass rusher, and you're still able to get it done defensively. I'm not saying top three, top 10, top 12. Absolutely. Brazil Douglas is taking over that, and you're getting your best cornerback. So I think that this team can potentially could be better than the 2010 team. Because in hindsight that 2010 team's awesome, but watching it play live no one was really on or no one was really saying how seeing how great they were. It was more of a give it a couple years and while wow, that team was really great.
1: That's what it felt like too cuz like it's the look back and you're like holy shit they had all those guys. The defense was loaded too, but I mean regardless the this Packers team is a real Super Bowl threat, and I'm excited to see what you guys can do because you already said it, but this year feels different. With everybody coming back like this, look out for the Packers in the postseason.
0: We're getting healthy. We're getting scarier, and and the number one thing about this Packers team, we're more physical. Typically, we'll get punched in the mouth We'll just crawl up on the ball and give up on it. But no, we're, we're physical. We're looking to come attack. you. Rashawn Gary is having a hell of a season. And one of the Pro Bowl snubs, which I hope he gets in due to injury or people who just don't want to go, Devondre Campbell. Dude's have, having one of the best years as a middle linebacker that no one's really talking about. Obviously, coming for me, it sounds very biased, but just watch the film. Dude's an absolute animal.
1: We want to remind you guys that Loss of Down is brought to you by tabbies.com the best Delta-8 THC edible on the market. It's sugar-free, keto-friendly, gluten-free, heat-resistant, made of 100% pharmaceutical-grade ingredients with consistent dosing for the perfect edible experience. But hey, if you're not into Delta-8 THC, that's not a problem. Tabby's offers an option with no THC while using the same proprietary drug delivery system to ensure that guaranteed dosage of CBD. Right now, Tabby's.com offers three flavors. Galactic Fruit, Watermelon, and Mint. They are perfect for any time your anxiety is high. I've been battling depression and anxiety for a long time. And it's not a fix. Like, Don't get me wrong about that. But it does make me feel much more at ease. Hence the name. Whenever I am feeling overwhelmed, I seriously would recommend this, whether they were a sponsor or not. So please go and make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Tab East Co. That is Tab Ease Co spelled tab E A S E C O to be the first to know when they drop. You can get any of these products at tabease.com. And with the promo code FOOTBALL, you can get 20% off your entire order and free shipping.
0: And with that, we're going to dive right into our week 18 bets. A little bit of a sluggish week, at least on my end, uh, at least while I got you a little something, but I'll let Walter dive into that.
1: We were due to come back down to earth after we'd been on the moon for the last month. Steven went 10-13-2, and, and I went 14-12-1. So we, I guess Steven was a few units shy of even. I was probably just north of it. But we're going to get back right in our winning ways here starting today, so don't worry about that.
0: First game we have on the schedule, the Kansas City Chiefs are 10.5-point favorites visiting Mile High and the Denver Broncos, and the over-under set at 44.5. Pat Mahomes is undefeated against the Broncos in his career. The Chiefs have a slim chance of being that number one seed since the Tennessee Titans are playing the Houston Texans. So, And they're playing on Saturday, so they have no choice but to play and just kind of await their fate here. You know, I expect the Chiefs to bounce back here in a big way, heading into the playoffs against a similar division foe that they have beat on in the past since Pat Mahomes has taken over. Kansas City minus 10.5. I'll pair it up with their money line and parlay it.
1: I'm doing KC minus 10.5 in the money line as well. Until this last weekend, the last time the Chiefs actually lost a football game was the week before Halloween. And ironically enough, they probably didn't deserve to lose in the jungle on Sunday. But the Chiefs are rolling right now. Coming off that disappointment of likely blowing a bye week, I expect to see the Chiefs come out and take it out on the donkeys on Sunday. Chief- Saturday. Saturday, I believe. Yeah, look at us. Saturday. Chiefs big. And then the next game here, as I'm flipping my pages, we have Dallas minus 7 at Philadelphia with the total at 43.5. This is a tricky situation for the Cowboys. They're locked into that fourth seed going into the playoffs unless the Rams lose to the 49ers, very possible, or the Bucks lose to the Panthers, which is pretty improbable. What does this mean for the Cowboys? They're in the fast lane to get a repeat of last week. Kyler Murray and Jerry's World. And I have a difficult time believing that this team will be properly focused to win this game. And with that outcome on the horizon, not to mention that this is a different Eagles team than when the Cowboys saw them at Jerry's World in September. Take the Eagles plus seven in their money line. The last time these teams played, the Eagles only ran it three times on designed runs to the running back. Nick Sirianni and this team has adjusted and grown mid-year and now we're the final boss of running and football in the league. The Eagles are able to stay on schedule on first and second downs. And they pull off the upset 21-20 to on a late touchdown drive from Jalen Hurts.
0: He said it best. Philadelphia got embarrassed by this Cowboys team in their first meeting. And like you said, since then, they're leading the league with 160 yards per game on the run. But let's flip it over to the other side. This is quietly a top seven defense yardage-wise. They're 7th in rushing yards per game, allowed 11th in the passing game. And Philadelphia does does turn the ball over, and they get less takeaways, about half of Dallas. To put it in perspective, Philadelphia has 16 takeaways this year, to Dallas' is 33. So their point differential compared to Dallas, is there's about 12-point 12, 12 spread, I guess some would say. It is the gambling section, Walter. This Dallas Cowboys offense is... Hasn't been doing it for me recently. This is surprisingly going to be a defensive game. Consider what the score was here in what, week three, week four when they played on the Monday night slot. I like the Eagles at plus seven here in Philadelphia. And all of a sudden, that's a 10-win team in Philly. And again, I don't want to play them as much as so I don't want to play the San Francisco 49ers. The Green Bay Packers are... Closing out their season in Detroit at four field where the Packers are three and a half point favorites. Uh, like Wally said, we're not expecting Aaron Rodgers to play in this game, even though he does want to, amongst a plethora of other starters. Uh, Green Bay will getting as much rest as possible in these next couple weeks. But i like Dan Campbell to go into Detroit, end the season at home, end it on a win. He has proved that he is having these players play for him throughout this whole season, all 17 games. I expect nothing, nothing less here it on a high note. I like the uh, Detroit plus three and a half, and I'm going to take their money line as well.
1: I'm not taking the money line, but I also have the Lions plus three and a half. The Packers won't be playing Rodgers as we've talked about, and they'll be trying to get as much rest as possible for all their big key players. I mean, you hit the nail on the head or the kneecap on the knee in this instance. Campbell's group gets a win to put a bow on the season or at the very least are within a field goal of doing so. The Bears are going up to Minneapolis to face the Vikings, who are four-point home favorites where the total set at 44.5. I actually like the Bears, plus four in the money line here. I mean, the Bears lost to this Vikings team a few weeks ago and took a time-expiring touchdown pass to even get nine points. But, and that's a big but, Stephen, last time they played the Bears, the Vikings had less than 200 yards of total offense. Prime time or not, this defense does enough to get a win against the Vikings in both of these head coaches' final games. Take the Bears plus four in line.
0: This game is worthless to gamble on. Vikings should be getting Kirk Cousins back, which he is officially activated off the COVID-19 reserve list. So this offense I'm expecting is to get back coming with Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, ready to just hit the ground running. And like I said, just end this game on a high note. I don't give a shit about this. Vikings minus two and a half on here. Indianapolis Colts, 15 and a half point favorites visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars, where the Colts need to win to get in, and the over-under set at 44. Uh, Jags are horrible. The Colts are going to win. They understand what's in front of them. They're going to win by 20-plus points. I don't really care about talking about this game.
1: No, I'm going to keep it pretty short, too. The Colts are going to dominate. I have a minus 15.5 as well. You touched on it, but this is a must-win for this team with the Ravens and Big Ben breathing down their necks. I just don't know how the Jaguars even keep this close. I have a weird score for it. I have it 38-9. The only reason I don't have you freaking taking the over here as well is because I don't know how many points Jacksonville has, but I'm with you. Colts, big. Tennessee is going to Houston, or another game with playoff implications where you're going to have a few people scoreboard watching throughout Sunday. Tennessee, if they win, they're the number one overall seed in the AFC. They lose, the door's open for the Chiefs. All of a sudden, that's a better matchup for some wildcard teams as well. I have Houston plus 10.5, but I have the Titans on the money line. Just to keep suspense high throughout the day on Sunday, you already know this game will be significantly closer than what we typically would expect. And Derrick Henry actually came back to practice today. We don't know about his game status as of yet, but if they can manage to secure to one seed, that gives him a fewer hits. What, 25 of them probably at least? And that gives him the next week off as well for a buy. bye that would be the dream scenario for Tennessee, and it would have a lot of teams in the AFC really nervous about how fresh that offense is.
0: It's scary to think about. This team is, you know, they're staying, they're doing a little bit better than just staying afloat, and they're going to be able to get Derrick Henry back. Tennessee has this opportunity to close it out for that number one seed, like you said, all throughout the year. We thought they were going to lose games that they ended up winning. I know that Rams game is the number one that can come to mind. The Seahawks game here in Week 2 as well, that battle in overtime that they had. There at CenturyLink, and honestly, this Chargers game is going to be the last little punch that the Houston Texans are going to give us. Any the last pulse that this organization is going to give us here in 2017. I like Tennessee just the same as the other game here before, understanding what's in front of them. Lock up that number one seed against a inferior inferior opponent in Houston. The Washington football team traveling up to MetLife, where they are seven point favorites against the Giants, and the over under is only set at 38. Daniel Jones is already ruled out for the rest of the year here a few weeks ago. Mike Lennon has been ruled out of the year. So Jake Fromm getting the start, it doesn't matter. This Giants offense has just been a joke. 646 total yards, 10 turnovers, and 19 points over three games. That is a three-game span. I don't even care about the yards. 10 turnovers and 19 points over t- three games? How does Joe Judge still have a job? I have no idea. How Gettleman still has a job and wasn't fired midseason? I have no idea. I just... No, not even I just. I'm going to go with Ron Rivera and the visiting Washington football team who is going to have a new name on February 2nd, 2022. Head to the Instagram, vote on what you think it's going to be. I like the Washington football team for the time being at seven point favorites.
1: In defense of Joe Judge... I don't know how many coaches would have been that successful this year with the team Gettleman has put there for him between the offensive line, however you feel about Daniel Jones, whatever. But I'm with you. Yeah, Washington minus seven in the money line here. I mean, the Giants are quietly closing in on the Jaguars for worst team in the NFL right now to at least end the year. And between the sad quarterback carousel, the preseason belief from Gettleman that this line would actually be able to hold up, And get this, Saquon has just had his first 100-yard game this last week. I mean, it's the first time he's had over 16 carries this year. And I know he's been banned up, but he's played, like, significant time in, what, 10, 11 games. So that's very surprising with a team that's as bad as they are. I mean, Washington sucks, too, but like the Bears last week, they aren't this bad. Take Washington minus 7. The Steelers, with Big Ben in his final, final game of the year, traveled to Baltimore who are five-and-a-half point home favorites where the total is set at 42. I'm actually taking the Steelers plus five-and-a-half and and their money line. I mean, the Steelers showed on Monday night how hard they are willing to play for Big Ben and to send him out the right way. I'm not sure we'll see Lamar, and I really don't know if it really matters all that much. I mean, especially in a game that carries no weight, really, because they're not going to make the playoffs. We already know that. So I'm riding with the Steelers, like I said. Regardless, they're going to send Big Ben off with a really proper... Two straight wins. Even if they're going to miss the playoffs, they're over 500 once again. And we finally have to say goodbye to the king of the North for the last 20 years.
0: Like you said, Wally, Big Ben's last game here. TJ Watt's about to break the sack record. And Lamar Jackson just is still obviously injured. He is not the same. With Lamar or Tyler Huntley, it's not going to matter. This defense is going to be ready to play in what's potentially Big Ben's last game. You know, TJ Watt's going to have a lot in his mind around the 1.5 digit. Areas where he's going to be kind of thinking of, uh, I I don't like what the Ravens have been doing. Yes, they've been keeping it close, but I like Pittsburgh to keep it rolling. Big Ben is going to be able to take advantage against a secondary that, despite last week and holding Matt Stafford to under 300 yards, a pick six and two interceptions overall. I think Big Ben can exploit this as a divisional opponent. I'm not too worried. I like the Pittsburgh Steelers at plus five and a half here, and I'm going to go as far as taking their money line as well with you, Walter. Keeping it in the division, the Cincinnati Bengals are headed just a just a few hours north up to Cleveland where the Browns are now 6 point favorites in the over under set at 40 and a half. Joe Burrow and most of the stars on that offense are not expected to play. Joe Mixon is out due to testing positive and being on the COVID-19 reserve list. Baker Mayfield is expected tonight to be playing. I don't know what I don't know who we're going to get. I'm leaning a little bit towards what defensive members are left and that's a plethora of the ones on the On the Browns side, I expect this to be a defensive game, mostly because the backup quarterback games are never pretty. I like the Browns to win and cover by six and end the season on a little bit of a high note, even though we're expecting a lot bigger and better aspirations from from them in the beginning of the year.
1: Yeah, this is a weird game. I hate betting on week, I guess, 18 this year, usually 17 games just because of this. We don't know who's going to be in this game. So I'm not actually going to play around with the spread. I'm actually going to focus on that total of 38. I'm taking the under. In a battle of backup quarterbacks, this game will remind everyone who hasn't watched much of the Bengals this year how much Joe Burrow is masking and ironically protecting his offensive line instead of the other way around. You're going to have a very low and ugly scoring game, but this is going to frustrate Browns fans because I think they're going to see what they've been clamoring for for months, and it's going to be a run-heavy offensive scheme. I mean, the Browns probably will win this game. Six points does feel like a lot for a team that's not playing for anything. But because of how well they can run the ball, and, and the Bengals are just trying to stay focused, if you're going to take anything there, I mean, maybe take Cleveland minus six. New England is traveling to Miami, where, for whatever reason, they've kind of had their own house of horrors down there, which makes me a little nervous about taking... The Patriots minus six and a half in their money line here. They do do their part, I think, and hope that the Jets can do theirs against the Bills to win this division. Part one happens. Part two doesn't. Setting up for the AFC East wildcard round and effectively another championship game between them at Orchard Park. Get your popcorn ready for that one. Because, I mean, is there anything better than seeing wildcard rounds where the wild card team facing off is against in their own division against their division rival. I just think that's one of the cooler avenues of the NFL. It's always the Ravens and Steelers, or I guess Packers and bears. It's cool to see the Patriots and bills potentially on a, a little path like that as well.
0: Yeah, but we've already had so much publicity around the first two games. I want them to face off somewhere. Else. Maybe the divisional round. I like that a little bit better. Let's split it up. But that, that loss last week to the dolphins, that's just going to take all the wind out of the sails uh, for this team and you know New England most likely had this game circled after losing week one to them by just one point 17 to 16 because of a Damian Harris fumble with a little bit over three minutes left that completely iced the game uh, for that Patriots team there's just nothing i can hold i can hang my hat on for this dolphins team yeah i'm sure they want to they want to end the season winning you know they they came back from such a large hole they dug themselves in 1 and 7 to win 7 games in a row to bring them right back to 500 maybe this is going to help brian flores keep his job which i don't think he's on the hot seat whatsoever right now but you never know it is the nfl I like New England minus six and a half here. Like I said, they've had this game focused on here since Damian Harris had fumbled that game in week one. And honestly, I don't, like I said, I don't want to see the the divisional matchup in the wild card. We've already seen it happen. Wait for the divisional or maybe the, the conference championship. But for now, I want to see them face different teams and have to play each other to get to the conference championship. Pats minus six and a half. Also keep that in the division. The Jets are traveling up to Buffalo, where the Bills are 16 and a half point favorites. Over/under set at 41 and a half. Even with Josh Allen coming off uh, a rough game these last couple weeks, they win this division, and it's there. Or they win this game, and the division is there. They smoked the Jets the first time around, 45 to 17. And yes, I know it's a little bit different. They had Mike, they had Mike White, Joe Flacco a little bit in that game. So no Zach Wilson. That doesn't matter. Any quarterback in this backfield is is prone to turnovers. I don't see it changing here. Bills, after last week, moved to 3-2-1 and in and covering the double-digit spreads that they had. But now that is their eighth game. Half of their games this year have resulted in the Bills winning by three possessions or more. They didn't win it last week, which means ultimately the world will be restored here and they will win by the 16 and a half.
1: I always love that little bit of a stat there from you. I never would have thought to even look for that. But anyways, yeah, I think they do get that eighth, what, not eighth straight. I do think they get that eighth three possession win this year. I I mean, it seems like the perfect game to take one of your patented quarterbacks to throw a pick prop bet on Zach Wilson. You know he's going to get picked off a couple times here. The Jets are going to get steamrolled as the Bills emphatically win the East this week. I'd consider the over two if it wasn't for the fact that I don't think the Chets are going to score very much themselves. So I'm just going to stick to the spread here. Bills do get that AFC East crown once again. is going to Tampa Bay, who are eight-point favorites, and the total is at 41.5. I have the Tampa Bay money line and nothing else. I hate this game with every fiber of my being. I have no idea on who covers only that the Bucks will win. Carolina's lost 11 of 13 after starting 3-0. And the Bucs are so underwhelming right now. I'm taking the Bucs' money line, but that's it.
0: Carolina's 2-6 and six in one possession games this year. They have lost, what, 11 of their last 13. And with the two possessions games, that means that they have lost lost those games by 8 or less. So Tom Brady work, working on Week 18. No chance of getting the number one seed. This, this game is just for seeding in general. So I can see the Panthers' backdoor covering in this. With a little bit bit of garbage time, maybe Tom Brady gets up a little bit early, gets to take the second half off because everything's looking good. Game gets a little bit close. Carolina backdoor covers, but they still win. So I like Carolina plus eight and the Tampa Bay money line on this one. The New Orleans Saints travel to the Atlanta Falcons where the Saints are four-and-a-half point favorites. Forty-and-a-half is the over-under set on this. Uh, The Falcons sucks. The Saints just have a better more competent offense than the Atlanta Falcons. And the Saints' defense is filthy. The Atlanta Falcons will not be able to stand a chance against that defense, especially when the playoffs are on the line for them to win that game. And with San Francisco having a tough matchup, both these games in the 4.30, 4.25 p.m. Eastern slot, both these games will be on my TV. And I like the Saints to get it done here at minus 4.5 in Atlanta.
1: I'm only touching the under again. This is just... I don't know how the total is even at 40.5 with these teams. I don't know who the hell is supposed to score in this game. You have a good Saints defense versus a Matt Falcons offense, a Matt Falcons defense versus a dogshit Saints offense. I'm hammering the under in this game. I don't care who wins. Seattle's going to Arizona, who's a 6.5 point favorite. Total set at 48. I'm rolling with the cards minus 6.5 in the money line. I mean, the Cards still have a very real shot at their division, and I know many expect Russ to tear it up again after last week in a goodbye to the the Seahawks and to their fans. But I think that ship sailed out of town with the Lions. I do think the Cardinals win this game, and I think they win it pretty convincingly. I have them
0: 34-20. You know, Russ is going to be playing hard. Like I said, this is is going to be his last game for the Seattle Seahawks, but not for the NFL. Not his last game in the NFL. If you saw his press conference earlier, or a few days ago, you'll kind of pick up on what I'm putting down. The Cards won in Dallas. That's awesome. That's one win in the past month. This team has issues, and I like Seattle spoiling Arizona's day to be able to take the NFC West title and ending Seattle's horrible season on a high note. I like like Seattle at plus six and a half. I expect Arizona to win this, but the Seahawks to give the Cardinals a, a run for their money on this one. San Francisco traveling to LA and so far where the Rams are four point favorites over under set at 44 and a half. And honestly, I like San Fran at plus four and their money line. They're rolling right now. The Rams have been on a win streak, but it's the quietest win streak I've ever heard. Cause Matt Stafford's just not playing well. I expect Joey Bosa and the boys to be ready to get after him, cause some disruptions, cause some turnovers. Like I said, Matt, Matt Stafford's had five interceptions and two fumbles, one lost over this three games. I expect San Fran to be licking their chops and pin their ears back and get after this quarterback and San Fran to get it back on top. And all of a sudden they're in the playoffs when I don't want them. Like I said,
1: Oh man, I, I don't know. I don't see it happening that way. I have San Francisco plus four, but I have the Rams on the money line because they're going to win on a kick at the buzzer. And what that means for the 49ers is they might miss the postseason If the saints do end up being in Atlanta. Ah, uh, I mean, my God, for America's sake, I mean, we have to just pray to God that the Niners win. I mean, if that's not a guaranteed three hours of hell and that we'll never get back on wildcard weekend with the Saints, I don't know what is. Honestly, hope I'm wrong here, but I have what 49ers plus four Rams money line, which takes us into the winner go home basically impromptu first game of the NFL postseason. The Chargers are going to Vegas to face the Raiders. Chargers are a three point road favorite here. And the total is at 49.5, which surprised me. That's that's a big number here. I'm taking the Chargers money line, not minus three. Money line in the under. I think this is going to be a very, very tight and very low scoring game. For the Raiders' previous five games, as I mentioned earlier, have been with within four points. And 43 was the most points scored in any of those four games. I think you're going to see a very similar game to that. I mean, the defense has been fantastic all year, at least for Raider standards. I mean, again, it's gonna be tight. I'm just picking with Raider fandom experience here. We've seen too many times the Chargers win finales and ruin Raiders playoff hopes. So I'm taking the Chargers to win nineteen to seventeen.
0: Vegas is rolling right now. They've been a couple, you know, couple good teams here over the stretch of probably since Thanksgiving. And they're just playing with so much, with just such a huge chip on their shoulder. Like I said, you, you know, you can go on and on about the adversity that this team has overcame, but how could, how could you just can't give up right now, right? It's just building and now it's just steamrolling into what we have today. Your playoff is now. You get playoffs a game early. Like if you're not ready or prepared for this, what the hell are you doing playing football in the National Football League? I like the Vegas. Raiders at home, at plus three, their money line, they're over. Derek Carr to break out. Hopefully, your boy Darren Waller is going to be able to come back here this week. Uh, All signs are pointing that he's going to be able to practice, hence throwing him back in the starting lineup. I think Derek Carr is going to want to get it done here. This Chargers team is too hot and cold for me. It just feels like this would be the game that they lose after having so many chances to take advantage of this not only to get in the playoffs, but to win that division. This just seems like another another letdown game, led by Brandon Staley in his fourth down attempts. Like I said, I, w- I want the clean sweep of the Vegas plus three in their money line and pairing it with the over 49.5 here at the Death Star. With that, that is going to bring us to our final segment of the episode, the Prop, Lock, and Drop It, where every week, meanwhile, I give you a prop bet to take. Our game we think it's a, is an absolute lock and the drop, the game that we want to stay away from. So Wally, I will let you take it away with your prop lock and drop it this week,
1: dude. I've been hot. I mean, I haven't lost a proper a lock in the last month or so, and it stayed the same. Like I said, last week went two and zero. Oh. Travis Kelsey minus one twenty five, any touchdown time or any time touchdown score. Let me talk here for a minute, and then lock. I had Steelers plus three. Both of those hit, and this week, hopefully going to give you another 2-0 and here. I don't have the live line on this yet, so I don't know what it'll be, but you can usually find it closer to game time. The over of 3.5 field goals kicked in the Las Vegas and LAC game. I'm just so used to the Raiders settling when they get in the red zone, and for once, they actually have a decent defense and are forcing teams to kick. Not so much in the red zone. They have a terrible red zone defense. But I think over three and a half field goals in that game is a safe bet. And then the lock is going to be Philly at plus seven here. I think that they are going to beat Dallas outright, right. So I think that plus seven, it feels like a really easy bet. I love that one. And then the drop. I mentioned how much I hate the game. Teams have been inconsistent. You don't know what to get out of Tampa Bay. I'm taking Carolina. Tampa Bay minus eight. Want nothing to do with it. And just a bonus little prop here. If you guys get a little frisky. Browns or Bengals fans needing a reason to watch that game this weekend because it's going to be hard to watch. I'd take a prop of two rushing touchdowns from whether it be Nick Chubb if he is going to play or Dearness Johnson and I think that's going to be safe considering again I think the Browns are going to be very heavy on the run this week.
0: My prop lock and drop it hasn't been looking too good here the past couple weeks. I took Jacksonville as the lowest scoring team last week at plus 500. And, of course, they scored a fucking garbage-time touchdown. That would have at least made it push because the Giants also only scored three points. My God. But I guess that's kind of on me. Why would I put the trust in the Jacksonville Jaguars more than the New York Giants? I shouldn't be trusting either of those teams. So that was rough. And then I had the lock at Dallas minus four. Arizona, obviously, won that game and covered as the underdog. So that was a very unfortunate decision on my part. But there's always this week and next week, and the week after, then the week after, and then the week after, then after that. So Super Bowl, and then we're done. My prop of the week is the over sacks for T.J. Watt. I don't care if it's at one and a half or two. Hell, even at two and a half. I don't care. Take it. Right now I'm not able to find it on here, but I will make sure to update you guys on the Instagram page for the updated odds. My lock of the week is the San Francisco money line against the Los Angeles Rams. Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay. He's the most successful coach against Sean McVay. And I want to say that he's beaten him five times in a row as well. I like what San Francisco is cooking over there. I like if, you know, with Matt Stafford on his decline or not playing up to his standards, I think San Francisco is noticing that and making a game plan around it. I like San Fran... Getting the money line and getting into the playoffs, unfortunately. My drop is in the division as well. Seattle plus 6.5 versus Arizona. I know I was kind of talking all that shit about Arizona, how you can't trust them, what team is going to show up. And Russ, this is being his potential last game in Seattle. I still don't want to touch this game at all whatsoever. I'll take the I'll, – I'll drop the Seahawks, Arizona, where the Cardinals are favored by 6.5 points. With that, that is going to bring us to – The end of yet another episode of loss of down. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at loss of down. And of course, Twitter down underscore loss. I am Stephen weed. Of course, joining me in Pittsburgh is always Mr. Walter Lukaszewski. Wally, what parting words do you have for our listeners today?
1: Honestly, not a whole lot. You guys know what my focus is on this week. It's Raiders chargers and that's it. So, Hopefully Sunday night I don't get embarrassed in front of a national audience like I have so many times before, but Ah All right, go Raiders, Steven.
0: So do you think now that A B is a you know a free agent that are you just gonna go on a full push for the Raiders to sign him now?
1: Yeah, I mean wouldn't he look good in silver and black? It'd be crazy to see him there.
0: I didn't really like it the first time. Maybe the second time around. Maybe maybe it's a darker black there in Vegas. That's exactly where he needs to be, too. Might as well sign Odell Beckham while you're at it.
1: I still have my AB jersey, so don't make me whip it out.
0: I know this is not the first time you're hearing this. Please don't whip it out.
1: Sounds, that sounds fair. That sounds fair. <laughs>